It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs, online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today with a little indoor kart racing. And we got a busy show lined up for you, so we're going to jump right into it. Joining us on the show now is Jake Cruz and Ben Glantz of the Four Corners Fire and Safety Team. Uh, first off, guys, I know I speak for a lot of uh, drivers and crews out there that say thank you so much for what you guys do. Yeah, no, thank you guys. We, we appreciate the opportunity to come on your show today. And, uh, you know, we, we really do love what we do. So it's, uh, it's, it's enjoyable. So let's introduce each other just a little bit here. Uh, Ben, start off. How long have you been with the four corners fire and safety crew and what's your current role? Sure. So, um, I, I am the president of our organization right now. Um, I've been with it since the conception of it. I want to say this was year four or five that we've completed now, um, as four corners and fire and safety. And then, um, before that I did it with Eagle and Alvo for uh, going on 12 years now out there. And Jake, what's, uh, how long you been with the, with the team and, and what's your role? Yeah. So I'm the vice president and I've been on for two and a half, three years. Okay. Uh, and on a Saturday night, what's your, do you have a, a main role? I mean, obviously the goal is safety and, and, uh, helping any injured drivers, but what's your main focus on a Saturday night? Go ahead, Jake. Well, uh, so, you know, kind of my, my role is, is when Ben's not there, um, I kind of organize and run the crew, make sure that, uh, you know, everything is being done correctly. Uh, we have a lot of, we've had a lot of new people this last year. So making sure that those guys are, are doing the things that, you know, we want them to do. And, um, because I'm on the four wheeler, I was on the four wheeler all this year, uh, running back up to our trailer, swapping out extinguishers, swapping out radios, um, kind of the liaison between the, the ambulances and in the infield. Uh, Ben, unfortunately I've got to see you guys in action several times. I was, uh, thoroughly impressed with just the uh, calmness and effectiveness that you guys worked on Tim when he was on the front stretch. And, and I arrived on the scene just shortly after you guys did and, and watched as you guys revived him and, uh, you know, brought him back to consciousness and then kind of helped him stay calm as he was beginning to realize what had happened to him. Yeah, that was, that was definitely probably one of the, the more crazier ones that uh, I've been a part of out there. I've been, I've been around for a little while and unfortunately seen a lot of um, bad things happen, but fortunate to see a lot of great recoveries out of our guys. And I think a lot of that just goes to, uh, you know, our training that we do like all year round. A lot of our guys and gals, um, you know, are a part of, you know, private organizations, uh, volunteer organizations, you know, as far as like fire and rescue and different transporting companies um and that just pays tribute to what type of talent we try to recruit and and maintain out there because we always you know say you never know um when it'll happen but we know it will happen so it's not really an if as much as just a when and you know we need to be ready to go and you know we probably we try put a lot of emphasis on the drivers um, and, you know, taking care of those guys, but there's also a lot of bystanders and staff. And, and Tim was one of those unfortunate deals where, you know, he was just doing his job on the front stretch and, you know, got, got hit there, trying to set that cone out. So I'm scrolling through your guys's Facebook page. And um, I think over the last month, I've, I've probably tripled my appreciation for what you do because the thing that the Facebook page has taught me is that you guys don't just work April to September. It's a year round deal staying in tune with the latest techniques and safety measures. And then also continuing to hone what you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's been great having, uh, you know, some real 
energetic, enthusiastic guys like Jake are, are my vice president here. Uh, he's really helped with that social media and that Facebook stuff to get, you know, all of our information out there. But yeah, absolutely. We chain all year round. Uh, we have conversations, you know, I've talked with Mike several times there at EMI about different types of chassis and what's kind of, you know, out there, what we should be aware of. And uh, I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, when they did some of the crash studies up in Indy and, and then dealing with other guys that deal with the fire side of things, you know, and MedStar, Jay Mesner, and those guys, we've had conversations with them with, you know, policies and practices. And it, it truly is something all year round because there's always guys changing things to try to get that little bit of a competitive advantage. And, um, you know, sometimes we have to make sure they're not pushing the, the envelope a little too hard. And if they do, we're there to, you know, help, help them out with the best, uh, best outcome. Now, are, are most of the guys on the crew? Um, like volunteer firemen, any full-time firemen guys that work with you or, um, I mean, so that tends have, to be the norm for most of these race, uh, racetrack fire teams. Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. We've had a lot of, um, folks that are on volunteers. We've had some full-time guys from different, uh, larger cities, um, you know, in the past. Um, unfortunately it is kind of a little bit of an evolving door. We have guys that come and go as other responsibilities or things change. Um, but, uh, yeah, most of our folks, if not, actually, I can't think of any, all of them have some sort of background in the volunteer fire and rescue or, or professional full-time. I know you guys announced the news on Facebook a couple of days ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer that you'd officially become incorporated. Talk about the process, uh, why you wanted to become incorporated and how it helps you guys. Yeah, sure. So I can speak to a little bit of this and I'll let Jake jump in too. I think a lot of it was, you know, when I first started the four corners deal with a group of guys, it was just kind of a hobby, something we were doing on the side to provide a service that was needed out there. Um, and there was some other turmoil going on and, you know, our ultimate goal was just to provide safety for our friends and family that are out there. Um, and that's what we did with a lot of support from Roger and Racine out of Eagle Raceway. And we're able to put together the crews that we have. Um, and then it's just started to kind of grow and get a little traction as our team has been tested time and time again. Uh, we've come out on the right side of those tests and uh, we have other people reaching out to us now wanting to, you know, help provide them or give them some guidance with fire and safety, which is awesome. And we welcome that. Um, you know, we, we probably don't do everything the right way either, but we do it the best way we know how currently. And uh, I guess what's going incorporated, it opens up more avenues to be able to help support not just Eagle Raceway, our home track, but other places and events um around the area now as far as the actual process um i wish i could take all that credit but our uh, vice president and um our secretary Corey, which happens to be jake's mom uh helped tremendously get all that paperwork going and and going down to the state building more than one occasion to try to get everything figured out so i'll let i'll let jake maybe add a little more to that well, Jake, this is probably going to be a pretty easy conversation because we all know that uh, filing stuff with the government's just easy peasy. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> actually, you know, um, so actually, I, it actually wasn't that bad. So um, thank God um, that, you know, we have, as he said, my mom, who's the, the secretary and treasurer, lives in Lincoln. Um, I live in Osceola, which is 30 minutes north of York. Um, so she was able to go to the secretary of state building. Um, and actually, uh, they were very helpful, um, and very, very, um, pleasant to work with, but, um, you know, being a small business owner, I've gone through this process before, but starting a, a nonprofit like we are, um, there's, there's added steps to it that I, I just didn't quite anticipate. And so it has definitely been a, a process of, um, you know, like what kind of legal things do we have to make sure that, that we're covering in order to make sure that, um, we're checking the right boxes. So, um, you know, we've, we've had to file with the state. Um, I filed with the state, I filed with the IRS. I've got to file back with the state. Um, and then I have to file back with the IRS. So there's, there's kind of, a um, a, a back and forth, if you will, uh, hopefully we can get this all said and done. Um, once we get the last forms off of the IRS, it could take six months. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I guess that's why we have the off season. <laughs> I think it's, uh, there's probably got to be a little bit or probably a lot of bit of liability protection for you guys too. I mean, you guys are out there doing things, but if something goes wrong and somebody decides to sue you guys, I mean, there's got to be something in the incorporation there to, to protect you. Yeah, we uh, we're we're uh, we're working with a couple of different insurance companies. Um, underwriters kind of get wishy washy about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> you guys had mentioned that um, one of the aspects is is possibly being hired by other racetracks to train their team. Is that something you're going to be focusing on in the coming years? I think uh, I think it'll be an opportunity if it arises. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, train, work with other tracks. Absolutely, we would love to help and support them. And and what we've been, uh, you know, fortunate or unfortunate to experience firsthand and how things really play out. Um, you know, there's a lot that happens during the incidents, and even more that happens after incidents. And like we were talking about just a little bit ago with the insurance stuff and the liability aspect, we want to make sure we get all our ducks in a row and have the most efficient coverage. Um, and that we can, um, just because it, it just, you know, lawyers and things like that just get a little crazy sometimes. And again, we started off as just kind of a hobby and now it's starting to grow into something. So, uh, we're going to like Jay or like Jake said, take it one step at a time. But if there are other tracks out there that would want to come ride with us or come, you know, see how we do things or even want us to come out and maybe ride with them and give them some pointers or tell them maybe how we would do something or try something, we would absolutely honor that invitation and, and do the best we can to support those guys. Well, I know one thing that uh, Speedy Hill used to do, um, he used to hold a big seminar. You know, he'd get uh, uh, some community center or something somewhere and, you know, they'd set up a bunch of equipment and <clears throat> demonstrations and stuff. And, you know, he'd put out a notice six weeks in advance type deal, say, hey, we got this deal going. And there was a small fee, but I think it was more to pay for the lunch and, and rent the building than, than anything else. But he used to get teams from, you know, like Davenport and whatnot, you know, making the five hour drive over. So you guys ever thought of something like that, hosting something? Um, yeah, we talked about a little bit. Jake, I know is, uh, real ambitious about doing some of those things. And, uh, I think it'd be cool to do that. I, we, I did personally experience something like that up in South Dakota one year, uh, with Jay and his group. And, uh, we wouldn't be opposed to do the same thing around here. Uh, I talked to, you know, Pat Eccles up the road quite often, um, you know, when things come up, I guess. And, and we've, we've discussed that, you know, Hey, let's, let's see what you guys got going on and what, what we going on. And maybe we can show some of these other, other smaller tracks. I don't see these sprint cars or these, you know, bigger cars every weekend and, and how we get things done. So um, we could, it would be exciting to put something like that together for sure. And I know Pat gets a little experience down at Kansas Speedway every couple times a year working the big races. So, uh huh. Yep, absolutely. I experienced that for the first time last year. I think I seen Dan and James down there briefly. I uh, was worked Saturday and then Sunday uh, right next to Pat. That was that was definitely the experience down there in Kansas. So, I think one other thing to add to that is you know not talking to just. Um, fellow fire and safety teams but also talking to promoters about how their fire and safety teams should you know where they should be stationed and and you know as far as response times i've there's been um quite quite a few really bad wrecks um throughout the country uh the most recent one was in california i uh, can't remember the guy's name but you know his legs were on fire and the i comments, saw that video yeah, yeah, and and it looks it looks bad, but you know the, the thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, Roger Roger really gives us you know all the leash that we need. Um, you know, there's been several drivers that we'll talk to, and they joke with us that you know, heck, I'm not even done rolling, and you guys are already you know halfway to me, and and there is something to be said about that. Um, you know, some of these bigger tracks that you know the four tens and the three sixties go and frequent you know, these half mile tracks have inner walls. And I think people don't understand that it takes time to get, you know, through those walls and then actually to the wreck. And, you know, I know that there are 
promoters that want like all the cars to be stopped before they move and, and that's fine but we have to also understand that when someone's on fire we're 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 battling seconds so it, it's it's an education actually for really everyone that's participating fans promoters officials drivers crew members i mean it's really you know it, it's really a, an education for all now i can't tell you how many times out at sunset over the years that i worked out there the last 12 years they were open i can't tell you how many times i saw speedy hit a car on the track because they weren't stopped rolling and he was going to get get business done so. <laughs> yeah I've heard yeah, plenty of those stories from that guy back in the day. I, I want to echo that too, because I, I obviously have the pleasure of working at two completely different racetracks. And I've had fans after the races at I-80 sometimes say, you know, the, the safety team at I-80 just doesn't respond quick enough. And I'll, I'll be quick to jump and say, listen, they have four opportunities to get in and off the track. And down the road, those guys have 365 opportunities to get in and off the track. It's a much different beast at I-80 Speedway than it is at, at Eagle. And I think, Jake, that's kind of what you were hinting at there. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to sit on your, your, um, on your butt, on your recliner, and be a keyboard, keyboard warrior and, and criticize these people. But the fact remains is, you know, unless you go and, and talk to the promoter and see what their uh, their policies are because insurance is what it is um that's the reason why we can't do the fire hose rodeo anymore um you know, they uh <laughs> they have policies and stipulations and and you have uh restrictions with the track um now is it is it unreasonable to say that the promoter should you know reconfigure the track eh, yeah to a point you know, at the end of the day, we're all here to serve the drivers and make sure that God forbid, if, if something does happen, that we can get there and respond in a timely manner and, and give the best possible outcome possible. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had the agony of sitting there watching is, is um, a situations unfolding with a car that is on fire or, you know, it was a bad wreck and Joe or Lisa or somebody was on the radio saying, Pat, don't go. You got a car coming. Don't go. Don't go. And we all had to sit there and wait. And it's felt like an eternity for that car to go from the middle of turn one and two past turn two to where Pat could get out on the racetrack and get over there and get to the driver. And that's that's scary. I mean, and, and on top of the fact that it's a much bigger track, too. So there's much more ground to cover. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of that, though, is, is just the driver not paying attention. I mean. Yeah. Every track in the country at the driver's meeting says, when there's a red flag, stop your damn car. Yeah. But I don't care where you go. Half of them are going to stop and half of them keep rolling. Well, and, and I've heard Lisa through the announcer's booth over to the scorer's booth say, red flag, red flag, everybody go high, everybody go high. And that opens up the low lane for the safety crew to get out. But then there's drivers that just don't pay attention and they continue to roll around on the bottom. I mean, yeah, and not well, during your red, red flag, flag, if it's just a caution or whatever. Okay, if it's a caution is one thing, but if it's a red flag, they're not supposed to move. They're yeah. supposed to stop wherever the hell they're at and just sit there. It's not right. that difficult. Talking with Jake Cruz and Ben Glantz of Four Corners Fire and Safety. You guys, we really appreciate you joining us on the show. How much, I think I know the answer to this, but how much are you guys in communication with drivers about things that they may experience touring around with other racetracks, whether it be good or bad, or ideas that they have to help you guys uh, with certain situations? Um, I mean, fairly often there are definitely a handful of drivers, uh, you know, Tyler Drukey and Adam and, you know, Ryan King and Stu, and, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other ones, Mary Lynn's those folks that we have a little bit of a, a relationship with. They've, they've participated in trainings with us. Um, you know, Chase Weiler and those guys, he's come down a few times with his car. And, um, you know, those are like families that have been racing for, you know, sometimes two or three generations and have seen different things throughout the years. And, and other guys that are maybe on a little more leading edge of competitiveness and, and travel more. And yeah, they'll, they'll tell us, Hey, you know, we've seen this or we've seen that, or, you know, what do you think it's going to take to, you know, get this type of safety, you know, update out there or, or, Hey, do you 
think you could talk to a promoter about, you know, making some more minimum standard safety you know, whether it's, you know, you know, putting the, um, the extra tether cables, you know, on uh, the torsion arms or the front axles of the sprint cars or certain type of fire suppressions, um, you know, more mandatory or even just the head restraints is a real big thing that surprises the hell out of me uh, out of all classes, but especially the sprint car guys on how many of them are still running around just with the old foam neck rolls and gloves with holes in them and things like that. And I'm like, gosh, then, you know, that's, that's gotta be more out there, you know, especially after we had the Bilski wreck and, and everything else that was just like, I wish we could do more for the drivers. Um, I, we can't yet, but I know we definitely would like to work towards that kind of like what something Knoxville's got going on where, you know, they can sponsor and hand out some safety gear. And then with that, maybe just some information about, you know, how these things are working. But, um, I mean, as we travel around a little bit more and talk to more teams, I think we're going to learn more things. Absolutely. I think we have a really good solid foundation of policies and practices and best practices. Um, but it is, it is nice to hear from other drivers, you know, how they feel comfortable about something or maybe how they didn't feel comfortable about something and something we can change the next go around. Um, because things are always changing, um, safety equipment. I mean, just everything. So we have Stu on the show uh, pretty regularly and, and he's very proactive on the safety, um, from all the drivers we've talked to, I think he's probably the most proactive. But what we always seem to end up talking about is we talk about something new because a new scenario popped up. Yep. You know, yep, um, exactly. You, right when you think you've seen everything. No, you haven't because then this is going to happen, you know? So, yeah. Well, and just, just a couple of years ago, uh, I remember dealing with Mike and those guys at EMI about the chassis heights and how they you know they're a little bit taller on some cars and shorter on other cars for the drivers. Um, and when they did that, that crash study, oh, which is on like YouTube and whatnot, uh, the human neck and the seatbelts were stretching like up to three inches. Um, that's a lot. So that means the top of your helmet needs to be three inches below the top of your halo. Um, a lot of these guys were maybe an inch, some of them are right at it. And then some of your taller guys were even already sticking above the roll cage. So when they're rolling and without that top wing, um, their head and neck is completely exposed outside of the roll cage. And that's breaking collarbones, that's breaking necks. That's just all kinds of crazy stuff. And I know Mike Boston a few years back, I think during one of the nationals when him and Shaley got into it and in turned two there, uh, man, he, he took a hell of a ride when he got hit in top of the cage like that. And I'm pretty sure he might've been one of those guys that's, you know, a little bit taller and, um, he, he took a hit that maybe been avoided if we could have had just a little taller cage standard or, or something else going on there. But again, until it, it happens again, you know, it'll go away in cycles. It's like, it was a focus a few years ago. I remember during nationals, I was up there driving Dean crazy, checking every driver that went through to see if they had passed the tech or not, or passed the spec. And uh, I'll tell you what, 80% of them failed. Um, hmm. I believe were the numbers at that time. So it's just, but it's gone away now. Like nothing's really changed because of other scenarios or other things that came up. And I just, it, I wish we could do certain things, but. I know as promoters, you can't enforce too many rules, um, which you should, but you still have to be able to have these guys afford to race. I know safety should be priority, but um, there's also production side of things and it's a fine balance that I'm glad I don't have to worry about all the time, but uh, do know that we oftenly have those conversations about, Hey, what else can we do to make things a little safer for everybody? Well, and then the tracks are also, also short staffed with their tech departments. I don't, I don't know any track, you know, that, that has enough tech people. That's why you go to a NASCAR race there, you know, you see 50 or 60 people teching 35 or 36 cars. Um, mm -hmm. You go to a local race, you see three people teching a hundred cars, you know, things yep. get missed. And you know, unfortunately, sometimes it is safety issue stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's where just the drivers, the owners of these cars, they, they got to take their safety in their own hands. Um, even if we build the safest tracks in the world and, you know, Jake touched on a little bit easy, a little bit earlier about the different designs and the inner walls and the outer walls and whether there's gates or not, or openings, the drivers have to, and the owners again, have to be the first line of defense and safety. Is my driver safe? 
You know, I mean, I remember like working go-karts on Friday night, Jake can contest where a guy zip tied his kid's foot to the brake pedal, uh, or not the brake pedal, excuse me, the gas pedal, excuse me, um, <laughs> because he didn't want him to lift. And I'm like, you can't do that. He can't use the brakes if his foot's zip tied to the gas pedal. Like, like, it's just silly sometimes. I'm like, come on now. We gotta, we gotta think a little bit. So yeah. Uh, I've and, seen and, guys holding in window nets, so yeah. <laughs> yep. Echoing that just a little bit, you were talking about the height of that halo. I never even thought about it, so you guys are just talking about it. If if the neck can travel three inches, and that bar is only an inch, I mean, you're at best you're talking a severe concussion because you're going to be whacking your head on that halo rather than the, the the Hans device having time to be able to hold you back. Well, the halo is not above your head, Dan. Your your head's in the square of the halo, in the in the circle. So it's going to hit the track or or the wall or whatever yep. else. You're not not too worried about it hitting the roll bar. You're worried about it hitting something else. Yeah, the compression series is what we worry about, like those ruptured discs and and broken necks and broken collarbones and the compression um, syndromes or or injuries is what we worry about exactly right. When they roll over, that two inches of force, however, you know, that car's weighing 16, 1500 pounds plus the momentum is crushing you back down in your seat. That is a lot of inertia on one little area. And um, it's just, it's not good. And there have been several wrecks out there where guys, you know, won't ever probably get in a car again um, because of that a little two inches right there or just poor seat placement. And um, again, I remember that was something that we really were advocating there for a short period of time. And then the next season came around and it was something else. So it's kind of gone to the wayside again. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just what Cody Ledger went through. Yeah, yep. So we've, we've been talking yeah. with Ben and Jake of the Four Corners Fire and Safety crew from Eagle Raceway. Number Four Corners Fire and Safety on Facebook. Highly suggest you guys like them up. That way uh, you guys could see the updates as they're continuing to talk about um, how they prepare for races and uh, and, and just kind of keeping people involved with with uh, with safety information and also i assume you guys are going to be doing sounds like some fundraisers coming up hopefully in the next couple of months as your 501c3 goes through yeah so one of the things that we um we would like to do is uh we're we're looking at starting a scholarship program um for potential emt students um that's kind of our our first um order of business and then we'll 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 expand from there um ben's 100 right being able to to sponsor um do some sponsorship with giving out uh safety devices and um you may be doing um free clinics on on safety and you know basic stuff of you know making sure your suits washed and, and why that's important and um so yeah and don't wash the suit and oxy clean. Correct. <laughs> you have to wash them. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, is that sarcasm or is that being honest? I if he's oh, not, no, that was definite sarcasm. Oh, I okay. actually want to know. Yeah. So, I mean, and really, it's it's wash your suit, watch your wash your suits, and wash out your trailers. Um, think about like all the the dirt and the grime and the grease and the oil and the fuel i mean at nationals how many sprint cars blew their their gas lids off and they were spraying fuel all over the place you know that that fuel can hit you as a driver and now it's on your suit so when you have a clean suit you're less flammable than if you have a dirty suit same goes with um fire departments the dirtier your gear is the more flammable you are same with trailers. That's why, you know, keeping your stuff clean is, is really, really important because you reduce your, your flammability, so to speak, um, greatly. And just, just as a little uh, non-disclaimer, when washing your fire equipment, your suit, your gloves, your Nomex, your underwear, just read the manufacturer's labels. Like, how do I wash them? Or call the place you bought it from. They'll tell you how to wash them. A lot of times you can wash them by hand or even in the washer and dryer, uh, or not dryer, but in the washing machine. And it's like air dry and like a non sunlight area. Cause even the UV lights will break down the fire protection that's on those suits. And, um, you just, you gotta try to just 
follow the manufacturer guidelines, I guess, and you, you shouldn't go wrong by those specs. I know there's some places here in town that will clean them and even recertify them. They can redip them for you to help extend the life out of them. And um, I'm sure we can, you know, get that information if anybody wanted it. I mean, I always took mine to Max I Walker. Max I Walker did mine for the six years I was wearing them. But uh, I can just remember one of Speedy's seminars. And, uh, you know, one of the racers was telling me, you know, how he kept his suit all good looking, watching it in OxyClean. And Speedy just told him, he says, you know, oxygen burns, right? And the guy said, well, yeah. And he said, okay. He goes, so why are you wanting to put oxygen into your fire suit? Well, you want to put something that's going to burn in something that you don't want to burn. We've been talking with uh, Ben and Jake once again from the Four Corners Fire and Safety Crew. Uh, Kurt, Dirk, James, you guys got anything else for the boys? I can tell anybody that's around these guys when they're working, if they got the purple K out, don't, don't get a mouthful of that stuff. It tastes terrible. <laughs> not only does it taste terrible but it chokes you out <laughs> yeah it didn't, it didn't choke me out but i got a mouthful of it uh actually at kansas speedway when i was um outside of a car or outside of a truck i should say at a truck race and uh, making sure their lug nuts were tight well the car in front back when they had the exhaust coming out the left rear and uh, the guy's truck died during the stop so as he went to fire the truck back up he had a little backfire and you know, blew up all the flames from all the fuel that was running down the quarter panel of the truck and had a pretty good fire on it. Well, the fireman had the angle when he hit it with the purple K, it bounced off the ground and was right in my face. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you look like you, Barney uh, for a little bit? Uh, just part of me. Uh, but I mean, it, <laughs> I didn't care what I looked like. And I, I'm just glad I had glasses on. I had safety goggles on. But yeah. uh, the taste of it was just ridiculous. Ugh. Oh my yeah. God. Well, I'll tell you what, after doing this for a few years, you could ask any one of the tow crew guys that we work with every night. And I want to plug them in a little bit too there with Will and, and Brian and, and Kurt. Those guys have helped us out a lot. Uh, but they know when they hear us start yelling, hold your breath, hold your breath, it's coming. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we, we train like that every, every year to kind of give that little cue. And those guys have uh, been right where you've been as well. So that's awesome uh guys thanks so much for reaching out to us and coming on the show uh, i've loved talking with you and uh have a good off season but keep in touch with us if there's anything we can do to help you guys out yeah, you're yep, doing we'll fundraisers. Do. fundraisers or don't do one of them seminars let us know we'll help get yeah. the word out yeah we awesome. might we might start working on something like that a little seminar deal and um yeah we'll uh, we'll try to put something together it's still early in the off season and maybe we get something going early spring or something so we'll uh we'll definitely get started on that Yep. All right. So here's the real question. Since you guys aren't stuck to Eagle Raceway every Saturday night, what's the next track you're headed to before the season's over with? <laughs> That's, I don't know. We might go hang out with Pat and them, see if they need anybody or uh, maybe run down to Beatrice and check that out. It'll probably be so or not too far from home, but I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, just getting it, get a few more shows in, I guess. Well, you got a backseat available if you guys want to go down to the tiny Lund with me this Saturday. Awesome. All right. We'll keep that in mind. Once again, that was Jake and Ben with the four corners fire and safety team on the Fred stretch podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys joining us and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Later. Have a good one. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for us in turn. Number one, Dirk and I are going to be right back in turn. Number two, we're going to cover the latest headlines and we'll get you set for the weekend of racing to come. We'll be back on the front stretch. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. This time I'm talking laptop screen replacement. We've all made the mistake of dropping our laptop. Maybe one of our animals stepped on it. Maybe we set something heavy on top of it and we just didn't realize it was too heavy. And you go to turn that laptop screen on, there's a giant crack across it. That doesn't mean your laptop is completely worthless. In just a couple of days of turnaround, I can easily get your laptop screen replaced. And usually it's for a pretty reasonable price. Don't think your laptop is completely wasted just because you have a 
broken screen on it. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641, or shoot me an email, tailoredcomputersandrepair at gmail.com. I'd be glad to give you an estimate on how much it's going to cost to replace your laptop screen. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch, rolling into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to the lube tonight for classic car cruising. And I say tonight because you better be listening on Thursdays when this comes out. Make sure you get registered for that pallet of beer, 92 cases of beer. And I still haven't figured out if it's a uh, 24-pack or 30-pack or 60-pack, but listen, it's enough well, beer. You must have visited already because there's four four cases missing from, from the show two days ago. I don't know what you're talking about. Was it 92 or 96? It was 96 the other day. Now it's 92. I don't so know what I you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I haven't been there at all. Oh, I'm not too worried about you. You don't drink bush light unless you're absolutely forced to. So, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, yeah, it must be 92 anyways. Yeah. Get down there and register for that. It's $30 for a ticket. It's $50 for two tickets. James, who kind of chimed in in turn number one, uh, already bought two tickets. Him and I have the same idea. I'm going to buy a couple of tickets and if I win it, then I've got some friends that are going to get really drunk and I'll just, I'll have a whiskey or one of my one of my uh, preferred beers, but I'm never going to turn down a pallet of free beer. I don't get offered it very often, so. Yeah, well, you you will never need to get offered again if you win that pallet of beer. Oh, yes, you will. You think that beer is going to stay stay fresh? If you don't drink that stuff within, I'll give it six weeks to two months. I, I thought beer was six months. Maybe it's because I know my craft beer sometimes is two to four months. Yeah, well, but I, I, I never buy enough beer that I have to worry sitting around that long. That's true. And I drink enough beer that I never have to worry about that either. Yeah, Breaker no. Steak and Lumen Council Bluffs. Find them on Facebook for the latest deals. Uh, sounds like they've got a big announcement that's going to be coming on Tuesday next week. So make sure to follow the Quaker Steak and Lube Facebook page. I'll tell you one thing. It has to do with Tuesdays and wings. And if yeah, you can't figure that. that much out. <laughs> I, I, I did. I heard that. I think I heard it on the radio yesterday for yeah. some reason. It was on Maybe I saw it on Facebook, but. I was thinking I heard it on the radio because they said, but until then, it's Tuesday, so we got dollar bone in wings. <laughs> yep. So uh, hopefully one of our favorite uh, nightly specials is coming back, but we'll have to wait and see. Quaker Steak yeah, and Lumen Council Bluffs, find them on Facebook. That's my guess. Well, let's talk about some news before we get into the weekend of racing to come. And not a lot has really happened in the last couple of days. Uh, we did hear that uh, Denny Hamlin and... Uh, Kyle Bush are going to be switching pit crews, which this is kind of typical. You know, uh, now that Kyle Bush is eliminated, Joe Gibbs Racing has looked at the performance of the two crews and said, let's move uh, Kyle's, who must be performing a little bit better, over to Denny and give him a little bit better of an opportunity. Yeah, that would. Uh, and I wonder what they do. I wonder how they divide their bonuses if Denny's team would. I mean, Denny's never won a title, so the odds are kind of stacked against him. But if the they turn around and won the title, you know, with Kyle's pit crew. I wonder where the bonus money is going to go. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I mean, I could see it saying, Hey, listen, they were the ones that won the championship. You guys were slower. So we swapped you out But for the team that did. Uh, so what is there? There's seven races left. So the other team did 29 or 28 races, 29 races. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and got in that far and get shut out. I, that's not right. That's why I'm saying, right. But, and, and what do you, you got to say something to Denny. I mean, what, what did we find? What did we hear at Kansas? 34 pit road violations this season. Yep. And he's, I think he got a couple more since then. I mean, it ain't the pit crew. That's the problem. Well, it's the part of it because the pit crew's on the stopwatch. Yeah. yeah. They can tell if the pit crew's doing an 11 second stop or a 15 second stop. I mean, that's an exaggeration, obviously, but right. You know, um, but yeah, the, the driver is part of the whole team deal, but the pit stop is the pit stop. When he's in the box, you know, they got a stopwatch going. They know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and with as much money as that organization has, as much many people that try out for these crews and stuff. I mean, there's guys from Omaha that are up there on the cruise. 
I know a couple of them that have, have since retired because they were doing it for 20 years. But um, yeah, the bonuses on that stuff are very significant. That's why, you know, I'm mentioning it. One of the guys I worked with on the truck series was out of San Antonio and one of his homeboys down there worked for Jack Roush and was on Kurt Busch's pit crew when Kurt won the title way back when, like 19 years ago, 03, 04, something like that. And their uh, bonus, and that's, again, 20 years ago, was 60 grand. It's almost equal to their salary. You doubled your income by winning the yeah. title. So uh, that's did it a little different. Truck teams, if there were multiple teams, everything was divided. It was one one big house. So it'd be, you know, if both trucks finished, uh, most truck teams gave bonuses on weekly finishes in the top five, but they just threw all the money in the pot and divided it by the workers. So uh, let's see. Uh, Ryan Blaney has been, uh, well, not Ryan Blaney, but his crew chief, uh, Jonathan Hassler, has been suspended for four races. Um, Along with two others. Was it because of the tire that fell off? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and lost pit crew member Zachary Price, which was rear tire changer, and Graham Stoddard, which is their jackman. So now Ryan Blaney didn't get a points fine, which helps out a lot. Uh, but he did lose his crew chief and uh, two crew members, which that could be bad for them. Uh, he's going to lose him for the round of 12 and one round, one race for the round of eight. Uh, and I didn't see if, well, there's, there's no appealing. And I don't know what I was even going with there. Right. No, there's no appeal in this one. And uh, Oh no, it didn't fall off. <laughs> you, yeah. Review the footage. Yeah. It, it never fell off. Yeah. But you know, it, it's kind of strange because we haven't had this penalty for a while. You know, the teams definitely got better with it. And uh, I don't know if there's been one team that's had it happen twice. I don't think there has. Um, locally, I-80 Speedway has been uh, posting about the Cornhusker Classic that's coming up October 8th and 9th. Uh, excuse me, 7th and 8th. Yeah, 7th and 8th. And when they released their schedule early in the year, there was a to-be-determined race on Thursday, October 6th. And they have since said that while they're not ready to uh, announce anything quite yet, they do anticipate racing October 6th. I've heard rumors that they're going to try and revive the uh, Charlie Clark Memorial on that Thursday, October 6th, which might help with the modified car count as you're leading into a big modified points paying race, excuse me, uh, purse paying race uh, that Friday and Saturday. So, uh, sounds like there's going to be one more race added to the schedule for Thursday, October 6th at I-80 Speedway. Yeah, I don't know if reviving it's the right word. Maybe just having won the final year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's probably not the right word to say because this was the first year they didn't have it. And so you could say that, yeah, it was canceled. But, you know, Joe may have always had anticipation of putting it on that October 1st, just needed to get some details worked out. So. We'll keep an eye on IED's Facebook page over the next couple of days and weeks going into it and uh, and making any announcements, and we'll post it on our Facebook page if uh, anything happens. Uh, Shelby County Speedway put out one of my – again, I'm, I'm big fans of what these guys are doing right now. They literally put a post out, hey, stock car drivers, track champion Mike Nichols is going to be out for the weekend for surgery. By the way, best wishes for a speedy recovery. So this race is going to be wide open. Who's going to step up and try to win this race? <laughs> I love it. To do with that lawnmower crash earlier in the year. I would assume so, but I haven't seen anything on Mike's page of what's going on. Lane Archer said, who's Mike Nichols? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike who? Yeah. I'm just kind of scrolling through Mike's page. I'm not seeing anything about, um, about the, uh, if he's, what he's having surgery for. I can reach out to him, try to get you guys information, but no words yet on what's going on. Uh, speaking of Shelby County Speedway, this weekend is the uh, revival of the Tiny Lund Memorial. And I'm going to use that because that's what Chris Brown used, and he's a much smarter person than me. They are trying very, very hard to revive the um, aura around the Tiny Lund. And I think they're doing a fantastic job, but we're going to find out this weekend with um, how everything goes. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the flyer for the uh, for all for everything, but. Friday and Saturday, this coming Friday and Saturday at Shelby County Speedway. Friday races start at 7 o'clock. Saturday races start at 6 o'clock. It's going to be featuring compacts, 
hobby stocks. Compacts are just on Friday. Uh, compacts, hobby stocks, sport mods, stock cars, light models, race saver, sprint cars, and then modifieds are just on Saturday. Nice, uh, decent points paying. I said that again. Nice, uh, a decent uh, paying race. 455 to win for the compacts. 755 and 855 to pay for the hobbies, 855 and 955 for the sport mods, 955 and 1855 for the stock cars, 998 and 1298 for the late models. Those are the IMCA late models, and that is the Brandon Saltzman tribute race. Race savers, sprint cars are paying 1055 and 1255 to win. And then Saturday, again, Saturday only for the modifieds paying 1255 to win. Nothing else on the Tiny Lund. And I think that's pretty much the only thing that's racing, right? Yeah, I uh, I hadn't heard anything or seen anything. If they were going to try and uh, make up the Saturday portion of the, um, oh, I can't even think of the name of the race that Corning just had their yearly oh, race. Oh, the uh, um, the uh, the tradition. The tradition. There you go. I believe they announced a couple days later that, they, or no, maybe it was when they announced that specifically that that they would not be trying to make up that race that their season was done. Yeah, I know US 30 had, had said that they weren't going to go ahead and try and make up the extra second night. So, yeah, um, I just didn't, I hadn't seen anything with Corning yet. So, and we did talk about this before, but uh, I obviously need to bring it up again. Uh, Saturday uh, on Saturday night, Davenport Speedway is the Yankee Dirt Classic for the Malvern Bank Super Late Model Series 6,045 to win, 4,000 for second, 3,000 for third, 2,000 for sec, uh, fourth and 1200 for fifth and then it's on down from there but so there is another race going on this coming saturday it's the uh makeup makeup relocated yankee dirt classic it's going to be at davenport speedway on uh, saturday featuring the malvern bank east and west series so it's just a one-day show then on saturday yeah that's what i'm seeing yeah yankee traditionally was a two-day show that's just why i'm asking so and it looks like the East Series may be racing on Sunday at East Moline Speedway. Yeah, so so we're going to two days of racing that tow over from over here. So, yeah, I, I doubt they're running a hundred lapper then for the Yankee either. If it's SLMR, it'll probably be a 40 lap race or something. I'm not Same seeing a number of laps. Because, I mean, again, traditionally it was a hundred lap race. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not seeing anything for a number of laps. So, yeah. But I mean, most, I don't think the SLMR has, has a race in either the East or West that's, you know, a hundred lap deal. So I'm, I'm thinking it's probably a 40, maybe a 50 lap feature. But, yeah, uh, maybe. And, you know, I, I'm sure Joe would want to save on tires and equipment and, and I've never been a big fan of a hundred lap race. I, I think dirt, dirt races should be 50 at max, but, you know, obviously a couple of circumstances, you could vary that a little bit, but. A hundred lap race just seems to be too long for me. Yeah. As long as there's no yellow shit, do a hundred lap race in you know, 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. weekend's race at Texas motor speedway Sunday afternoon at two 30, it's going to be on PRN Sirius XM and looks like USA network. They're going to be practicing on Saturday at 1130 and then qualifying on Saturday at 1215. So uh, make sure you pay attention to that information. And looks like Denny Hamlin is the favorite to win this Sunday at Texas. Dirk heading into the weekend. We haven't seen any practice. We haven't seen any qualifying. We don't know if anybody has any tech uh, tech inspection issues. But who are you thinking for uh, Texas? Um, the Toyotas. That's why Hamlin's probably up towards the top of the list. Uh, first of all, he's picked up, you know, some speed on his pit crew. Um, and the Toyotas have been very fast on the mile and a half tracks. So, uh, so are you saying Denny, or are you just going to try to go with just a Toyota? Well, I mean, you know, Bubba Wallace wanted a Toyota at Kansas. You know, um, Martin Truex, I'm still expecting him to win a race somewhere. You know, and the first three races in the playoffs were all won by non-playoff people. So why not a fourth, you know? But uh, the Hendricks cars are going to run pretty good there. They're always strong on a mile and a half. I think uh, the guys that will struggle will be in the Fords. I think Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney's going to have a real tough time moving forward, missing yeah. you know the guys that he's missing. So I agree. All right, pay uh, tune in this Sunday, and uh, for God's sakes, guys, uh, get out to Shelby County Speedway. They're putting a lot of time and effort into uh, making the Tiny Lund what it used to be. 
So uh, the best way that you can go out there and help continue that support is uh, by going out and buying a ticket and enjoying some racing. It's going to be a little bit chilly in uh, it's going to be a little bit chilly on Friday, but still, I think it's going to be well worth your time. Looks like uh, 58 with rain showers early in the morning. And then Saturday is going to be absolutely beautiful. 77 for a high. So a little bit chilly both nights, but um, I think uh, I, I was ta- watching Chris Brown's uh, uh, Harlan Speedway live uh, Facebook page. And, and he said, yeah, we know there's some pre- precipitation coming but it's going to be Friday morning, so we're going to make sure the track is ready to go and can absorb that water, and then uh, we'll work it in that afternoon and get set for racing. So don't let the uh, chance of rain be an issue. Get out to Shelby County Speedway for the Tiny Lund, and uh, I think I'm going to get out there on Saturday. So if you want to go, just shoot me a text message, and uh, you can ride along with me. I was talking to Dirk there. i not fans. <laughs> <laughs> I should have clarified that. <laughs> Derek, if you'd like to go to the tiny lawn, just let me know. You got a spot in the uh, in the hamster mobile. <laughs> yeah, that would have been kind of interesting. You got like sixty three messages in the next half hour. I'm in. Let's roll. You know me. I just I just start selling seats in my car for uh, donations to the Alzheimer's Association. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the bid for the back seats up to five hundred dollars a spot. <laughs> Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, please share the front stretch and, uh, let us know. How do you listen to the front stretch? Is there a podcast source that you listen to your favorite podcasts that we're not on and you'd like to make it a little bit easier? Just let us know. We'll get over there and get on that podcast, uh, that podcast platform, but, uh, let us know. And, uh, we'd love to continue to grow that way, but, uh, please make us like us up and share it out. So that way we continue to grow big. Thanks to Ben and Jake. For the Four Corners Fire and Safety team for joining us in turn number one. And big thanks, everybody, for joining us in turn number two for the headlines and recap. Make sure you get out to uh, Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch for all of the NASCAR action on Sunday. And get yourself tickets for that uh, pallet of bush light. Time is running out. Thanks to Rick Haven Ridge of Wealth Partners. Make sure you get your picks in on time. Once again, they are due Sunday by 230 if you have any questions or any concerns, you can always email the front stretch podcast at gmail.com and I'll get that notification and I will respond as quickly as I can. And uh, thanks again to Joe's Carding and tailored computers and repair Dirk. Have a good weekend, bud. You too. Bye everybody. We all have that coworker that runs their mouth off at how great they are. They shot a five under par 95 mile an hour fastball bench press 375, brah. Wouldn't you love to shut them up by schooling them at Joe's Karting? Council Bluffs premier indoor karting track professionally designed. So each corner is your opportunity to embarrass your coworker. Call buddy for your next company outing at 712-256-5278. Joe's Karting white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue next to AMC 17.